This is the AI Reader podcast on Turing Tuesday. I am Beatrice Wright. What if the Turing test is not a worthy goal? Today we are going to read an article from Philosophy Now, where Efimov, Dubrovsky and Matveev ask this question. I will give my take and discuss at the end. Here is a quote for the major thesis of this article. But what if this basic assumption is wrong? What if it is not just language that determines the generality or the intelligence of an artificial agent? Is there a possibility that the signpost planted by Turing, and not only by him, 70 years ago, is pointing in the wrong direction, and we should reconsider our route? The original goal of this podcast was to read AI articles like this in audio form and add commentary. I got a little distracted in the first eight episodes. Let me know in comments if you like this style also. We are a small but growing community. Please like and subscribe and share. I have a personal goal in the next few months to justify doing this every week. Please help keep me on the air. So put up your feet, pour a nice cuppa, and enjoy this read from Philosophy Now. For context, this is being made June 20th, 2023, at about block 795,000 on the Bitcoin time chain. One great British pound will get you about 4,800 satoshis worth of Bitcoin. The title of the article from Philosophy Now is What is Stopping Us from Achieving Artificial General Intelligence? Over 70 years ago, Alan Turing developed the simple but powerful idea that any solvable mathematical problem can in principle be solved with a universal computing device. The type of device he described in his 1936 paper became known to researchers as a Turing machine. Ever since, we have been trying to create artificial intelligence by programming electronic machines. Most of the current research in the field of AI is indeed just an acceleration of that first universal Turing machine. Turing is also responsible for another fundamental idea that has shaped research in this area. The Turing test makes us ask, if we cannot distinguish whether we are holding a dialogue with a person or a machine, then does it really matter what is in front of us, a machine or a human, since we're dealing with intelligence anyway. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines intelligence as the ability to learn or understand or to deal with new or trying situations. Turing's idea of using language as a tool for comparing machine and human intelligence based on how well a machine can pretend to be human is both simple and profound. Thanks to this idea, such wonderful things as voice assistants and online translators have come to life. Modern developments are now getting close to the point when a single computer can tackle any problem, thus resembling a human being in the broadness of the application of its intelligence. This is called Artificial General Intelligence, AGI, which is also sometimes called Strong AI. The idea is, the better and more accurate the means we employ to improve a programme, the better it understands our words, and the closer we approach Artificial General Intelligence. But what if this basic assumption is wrong? What if it is not just language that determines the generality or the intelligence of an artificial agent? Is there a possibility that the signpost planted by Turing, and not only by him, 70 years ago is pointing in the wrong direction and we should reconsider our route? In this article, we want to put forward a number of ideas in the philosophy of artificial intelligence. These ideas could offer conceptual support for a new line of research that will overcome a number of limitations inherent in early approaches. This does not mean that those approaches should or can be abolished, 
just as Newtonian mechanics was not set aside after Einstein, but rather incorporated into the Einsteinian view. However, before offering new ideas, let us look into one old idea and one long-running debate. An old idea about language. The old idea is the suggestion from Alan Turing that if a machine imitates intelligence so well that a large percentage of humans conversing with it by text alone can't tell it is a machine, then it possesses intelligence. In fact, in Computing Machinery and Intelligence, Mind 1950, Turing identified several areas as representing the highest manifestations of human intelligence. His examples included the study of languages and translations, games, chess, etc., and mathematics and cryptography, including solving riddles. If in these areas the output of a computer cannot be distinguished from that of a human, then its level of thinking is equivalent to that of a human, and so we can say that we're dealing with an intelligent machine. According to Turing, the high-level intellectual functions of the human brain can be reproduced in a computer without the computer precisely imitating the functioning of the brain. It is noteworthy that only a couple of years after that publication, Walter Gray's turtles appeared. These quite primitive robots showed surprisingly intelligent behaviour. They could, for example, find their base station by orienting themselves towards light. This ability was born in direct interaction between the world and the simplest programming of the robots, and if Turing had written his paper after this debut, he would certainly have formulated the problem differently. However, it was his paper of 1950 that laid the foundations for the linguistic orientation of generations of artificial intelligence researchers. Turing himself admitted that comprehensive knowledge of the world is impossible without direct interaction with it. However, at that time, the idea of artificially imitating such activities as sports, eating or sex seemed unthinkable. Therefore, the British mathematician left those behaviours for an indefinitely distant future, suggesting to instead focus for now on games, languages and cryptography. As a result, Turing initiated a kind of human-machine race that has encouraged the development of systems performing narrow functions, be it a game of chess, translating or driving a car better than a human being. For his test, Turing was drawing on a Victorian imitation game. Here the judge must decide who of the players is a woman and who is pretending to be one, only by exchanging notes with the players. Obviously the judge should not see the participants, they are separated from them by a wall or a screen. Turing transferred this situation to a computer trying to imitate a real person, also remaining hidden from the judge by a wall. The wall deprives us of the physical embodiment of our conversation partner and reduces his responses to a limited set of verbal processes. I will now skip ahead a few sections of the article. The advent of techno-umwelts. Back in the 19th century, the biologist Jakob von Uexkul pointed out that different living beings have different spheres of world perception, different umwelts. The umwelt of a butterfly is very different from that of a fish, or from that of a person, for example. The umwelt of a person is of course well known to each of us. By analogy, we propose to call four areas of interaction possible for machines' techno-umwelts. A techno-umwelt would be the domain of perception for a machine, how a machine perceives the world. 
Many of us have seen visualizations of the techno umwelts of unmanned vehicles using radars and lidars in videos, for example. But the two dimensions of interactions described above, verbal slash nonverbal and virtual physical, give four possible techno umwelts or areas of perception for a machine. One, verbal virtual. Two, nonverbal virtual. Three, verbal physical. And four, nonverbal physical. The versatility that marks general or comprehensive intelligence, that is AGI, would only be possible when the machine freely operates in all four of these techno umwelts. Current AI systems are capable of coming to recognize objects of different classes without having been programmed to do so. This is a major achievement, but it has nothing to do with generality, which we will now define as the capability of an agent to work in different umwelts. So in order to achieve generality for an intelligent agent, it will be necessary to implement translators between the language of one domain of world perception and the language of another. Only then could artificial intelligence become truly multimodal meaning. It will be able to solve a wide range of possible tasks and comprehensively communicate with a human. The idea of the combination of techno-umwelts thus gives us the opportunity to propose a new definition of AGI. Artificial general intelligence is the ability of a robot, a machine with sense-think-act capability, to learn and act jointly with a person or autonomously in any techno-umwelt, but potentially better than a specialist in this field, achieving the goals set in all four techno-umwelts while limiting the resources consumed by the robot. As this multidimensional ability emerges, it will forever change the way we interact with technology. After millennia of philosophical reflection and centuries of scientific and technological progress, for the first time in history, people will encounter truly smart, non-human things, devices that may come to have even more complete and accurate knowledge about the world and about us than human beings themselves. This situation will call for a new outlook on what a person and a mind are, as well as a redefinition of many other established ideas. The redefinition has already begun. On the one hand, we are beginning to dissolve into the technologies and virtual worlds surrounding us, blurring the concept of human. On the other hand, as computers explore new areas of activity, be it chess or machine translation or whatever else, those areas are no longer exclusive to humans. Perhaps humans are the final frontier that the machine cannot yet overcome. Now for Bee's Buzz. One of the most captivating aspects discussed in the article is the observation that intelligent behaviour is predominantly associated with creatures capable of movement. While plants exhibit remarkable adaptations and intricate responses to their environment, their stationary nature raises intriguing questions. Could movement be a fundamental prerequisite for the emergence of intelligence? The author suggests that this may indeed be the case. First, Walter Gray's Turtles. Gray's work truly highlights the significance of movement and its connection to intelligence. Back in 1948 and 1949, Walter Gray built two remarkable robots that he affectionately named Elmer and Elsie. But, you know what everyone called them? Turtles. Why, you ask? Well, it's because these robots had a protective shell that resembled those of our little shelled friends. It's quite endearing, isn't it? Now, these turtles may have seemed rudimentary in their construction, made from old military materials and bits and pieces of alarm clocks. But don't let their humble origins fool you. Despite their simplicity, they possessed two simulated neurons that allowed them to exhibit some surprisingly complex behaviours. 
Imagine this. The turtles had a light sensor, a marker light, a motion motor, and of course their protective shells. With these features, they could imitate certain activities found in living organisms. For example, they displayed positive phototaxis, which means that when they sensed light, they would scuttle toward the source of that brightness. It's like a little game of follow the light for them. But wait, there's more. These ingenious creatures also imitated the movement of a single-celled organism called paramecium, or as we call it in Bulgaria, the slipper. This slipper-shaped organism moves in a straight line until it bumps into something blocking its path. When that happens, it changes its direction to avoid the obstacle. And guess what? The turtles did the same thing. When they encountered an obstacle, they cleverly altered their course to avoid it. It's like they had their own little turtle navigation system. Now here's the truly impressive part. When the turtles' batteries started running low, they would switch into a different mode. They would go on a quest to find a bright light source, always leading them to a brightly lit box where their charger awaited them. Can you believe it? These resourceful little robots were finding their own way to recharge, even back in 1949, long before all the fancy technologies and advancements in robotics that we have today. Walter Gray's turtles truly embody the spirit of innovation and creativity. They may have been built from unconventional materials and had a simple design, but they showcased remarkable abilities. These turtles remind us that intelligence and adaptability can emerge from the most unexpected places, even from the shells of robots made from military scraps and alarm clocks. They are a testament to the pioneering spirit of early robotics and a charming reminder of how far we've come. Gray's research on turtles provides a captivating glimpse into the role of movement in shaping intelligence. As these turtles navigate their environment, they engage in a process of active exploration, constantly interacting with the world around them. Through their movements, they gather sensory information, process it in their little turtle brains, and make decisions based on their experiences. What I find particularly fascinating is how movement facilitates learning and problem-solving. As the turtles explore different terrains, they encounter obstacles, changes in terrain, and other challenges. Through trial and error, they adapt their movements, refine their strategies, and develop effective ways to overcome obstacles. This adaptive behaviour demonstrates a form of intelligence that is deeply intertwined with their ability to move and interact with their surroundings. Gray's work with turtles also highlights the importance of spatial awareness and navigation. By moving through their environment, turtles develop a sense of space and acquire knowledge about the world around them. They create mental maps that help them remember important locations, food sources and potential threats. This spatial cognition plays a significant role in their survival and ability to thrive in their environment. While turtles may not possess the same level of intelligence as humans or other highly complex organisms, their movements and behaviours offer valuable insights into the relationship between mobility and cognition. It's remarkable how even creatures with relatively simple neural systems can exhibit intelligent behaviour when movement is involved. Gray's Turtles research challenges our traditional notions of intelligence and invites us to consider the diversity of cognitive abilities in the natural world. It raises intriguing questions about the different forms that intelligence can take and encourages further exploration into the fascinating relationship between movement and cognition. Overall, Gray's work with turtles sheds light on the profound connection between movement and intelligence.
It's truly captivating to think about how something as seemingly simple as crawling and exploring can contribute to the development and manifestation of cognitive abilities. This research opens up new avenues for understanding the complexities of intelligence and invites us to appreciate the diverse ways in which living beings interact with and navigate their environments. The article highlights recent scientific studies that provide compelling evidence supporting the idea that movement plays a vital role in cognitive development. Movement is not merely a physical act. It engages various sensory systems and stimulates the brain in ways that enhance learning, problem-solving and adaptability. Through movement, animals interact with their environment, gather information and make informed decisions based on their experiences. Furthermore, the article emphasises that movement allows organisms to explore and navigate their surroundings, leading to a more comprehensive understanding of the world. From the complex locomotion of mammals to the agile flight of birds, movement facilitates the acquisition of knowledge through spatial awareness, pattern recognition and the ability to form mental maps. These cognitive processes are essential for problem-solving, decision-making and the development of higher-order intelligence. However, the absence of movement in plants challenges the notion of intelligence as solely linked to mobility. While plants lack the ability to physically relocate, they demonstrate astonishing adaptive behaviour and responses to stimuli. They utilise intricate systems to communicate, grow towards light, and even defend themselves against predators. This raises intriguing questions about the nature of intelligence and the different forms it may take in the natural world. In conclusion, the article provides a captivating exploration of the relationship between movement and intelligence. While movement appears to be a crucial factor in the development and manifestation of cognitive abilities, the existence of intelligent behaviour in plants challenges our traditional understanding. This thought-provoking article encourages further research and opens up new avenues for understanding the nature of intelligence and its diverse manifestations across different organisms. The concept of Umwelt is an intriguing and thought-provoking perspective in understanding the experiences and perceptions of different organisms. Coined by biologist Jakob von Uexkul, the term Umwelt refers to the subjective and unique sensory world experienced by an individual organism. One fascinating aspect of the Umwelt is that it highlights the diversity and complexity of sensory perceptions across species. Each organism perceives and interacts with the world in a way that is shaped by its specific sensory capabilities, such as sight, hearing, smell, touch, and even electroreception. This concept challenges the anthropocentric view that human perception is the standard against which all others should be measured. The Umwelt provides insight into how different organisms experience and navigate their environments. For example, a bat's umwelt is shaped by its echolocation abilities, allowing it to perceive and locate objects in its surroundings through sound waves. Similarly, a snake's infrared sensing capabilities shape its umwelt, enabling it to detect heat signatures and track prey. Understanding the umwelt of different organisms has significant implications for fields such as animal behaviour, ecology and conservation. By recognising and appreciating the unique sensory worlds of other species, we can gain a deeper understanding of their behaviours, needs and interactions with their environments. This understanding is crucial for promoting biodiversity, designing effective conservation strategies 
and fostering empathy towards non-human creatures. Moreover, the concept of the Umwelt challenges the notion of a single objective reality. It suggests that each organism experiences a subjective reality that is influenced by its sensory apparatus and biological makeup. This realization encourages us to question our assumptions and broaden our perspectives, fostering a deeper appreciation for the rich tapestry of life and the diverse ways in which organisms perceive and engage with their surroundings. That is it. Thank you, Philosophy Now, for the article. That is it for this week. Until next time, keep calm and carry on. 